0: We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Father, we come this morning knowing that in our ability we can do nothing, but through Christ all things can be done. Lord, we have seen the suffering, the mocking, and the hanging of our Savior Jesus Christ on a cross as we celebrated Good Friday. And today, Lord, is Sunday. And we see a risen King, a King that overcame and conquered death. And Lord, we see the power of His resurrection. And this morning, I pray as we look at Your Word, as we discuss Paul's account and how He wants us to understand how vital the resurrection is, Lord. I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear the truth and that we might believe the gospel message. I ask that you fill me and empower me this morning, the Holy Spirit, that I might speak the truth of your word, boldness and accuracy. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 8. We're going to be looking at three different elements of the gospel message, the gospel of Christ, with our main focus really looking at the resurrection of Jesus. I'm not going to really presume that you all know terminologies of the scriptures, and so we're going to simply look at each one, discuss them in detail with the understanding of the resurrection and what happened when Christ raised from the dead. Much of this message will be informational. It will be biblical. It will be scriptural. But it will also, I hope, by the end be transformational. And if you're here this morning you've never heard the Gospel, maybe you've never accepted the Gospel, maybe you have doubts about the resurrection of Christ, I pray that you will become transformed in your heart and in your mind. His... Word is wonderful, it's good, and it's pleasing, and I hope that this morning you will see His unfailing love for you, and the grace that He offers through Christ, to see in the sufficiency of Jesus. But if you will this morning, let us get started. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll be looking at verses 1 to 8. I'm reading from the New American Standard. There's slides for you. If you don't have your Bibles, you can just follow along. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you were saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and after He appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then He appeared to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely board, he appeared to me also this morning. Shane read this passage we didn 't do that together it was just the way it worked and what a wonderful passage of Scripture as we look into the life of Paul. And Paul is here. He's writing to the Corinthian church. He wants them to, to listen to the message that he's going to give. They are mostly believers there, but just like Scripture tells us, the wheat and the tare will be mixed until the second coming of Christ. And so we assume that most of them were believers. Like this morning, I assume most of you are believers, but there is a good possibility, just like here, there were unbelievers in the church at Corinth. And though they are believers, it seems like something's happened. Because he says, Now I make it known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which, I, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you. So what's going on here in this passage of Scripture? He is about to repeat something that he has already stated before. Something that they already know. And if you've been going through the book of First and 2 Peter with us over the last several months, we know that a good teacher always teaches repetitively the basics of the faith and the gospel is at the core of the Christian faith. And here, Paul is going to remind them something they already know. If we shoot through our text, we begin to see a big picture of what's going on here. And we see in verse 12, there are some that are not following the gospel message of Christ. He says here in verse 12, let us look. He said, now if Christ is preached, that He has been raised from the dead, how do you among, how do some of you among say there is no resurrection from the dead? So we begin to see the bigger picture in this chapter and we'll get into more detail of that later in this message. Most of us sitting here this morning have heard the Gospel message. Either you've heard it from me or somebody else has given you the Gospel message. We live in a culture, and a time in which media drives us. We've seen it on internet. We've seen it on Facebook. We've heard it on the television. We know the Gospel. We are a Gospel-filled nation. And so, we're going to be reminded again about this Gospel message. And what he is about to say is probably nothing new to most of us. As we most hear, believers, you've had the Gospel preached, you've even received it, you stand on it and by it you are saved. But Paul, for some reason, places an exception clause here in this passage and he says, unless you believe in vain, Now, this is not talking about losing your salvation. You can go to the next slide. He's not talking about losing your salvation. We know that salvation is a work of God. God doesn't make mistakes. If a man believes the Gospel, if he hears the Gospel, he believes in his heart, God comes within his heart and transforms him. Paul's not talking about losing salvation. Paul is talking about believing in vain, having a kind of a worthless belief, having a faith that is in error, a belief that comes from something different than what Paul has preached prior. Kind of like if you believe, then you can have your best life now kind of idea. If I pray this prayer, then I can kind of get my ticket into the kingdom of God. If I jump through all of these hoops that are often in our culture today, I can get fire insurance. Or if it's anything different than the gospel which Paul preached. What is it this morning that we believe as individuals? What is it you believe about the gospel this morning? What is it you believe about Paul's gospel? The fact is that some of these people here lacked a true saving faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul, he begins to prime his people, he begins to draw them into the message he is about to give them as he wants them to evaluate their lives before he gives them the gospel message again. And this morning I think it's vital, I think it's important that we as Christians, we as individuals, we as people need to evaluate where we are in our Christian walk with God. What is it that we believe? Have we evaluated our thoughts, our understanding, our world view about the gospel message? He wants to make sure that we don't believe in vain, but believe in what Paul preached. And so Paul is going to continue right into the rest of his message this morning to the church at Corinth. He says here in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received. Paul didn't fix up this message that he brought. He didn't design this message. He didn't craft this message with some type of lofty words or something to entice or encourage you this morning in that fashion. But he simply delivered a message that was given to him where did he receive it? Where did he get this message in which he gave? Well, we learn in Galatians 1.12, he says this, for, neither, for I neither received it from man nor was taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. <coughs> he received it from Jesus Christ. This is a message that has been around since the Old Testament. We see the parallels of Genesis chapter 22, verses 8 and 14. We see it in Psalm 22. We see it in Isaiah 53, dealing with the suffering servant. We see it in Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. And all of these passages from Old Testament into the New Testament speak of the death of Christ to come, the burial of Christ to come, or the resurrection of Christ that was to happen on the third day after his death. They speak of Christ many years prior to Christ ever becoming man. And so the message is not one made up, it's not one foretold or spoken in error, but spoken from Christ in which he was called to deliver. 700 something years prior. We see in the Old Testament the message of Messiah in which He would come, in which He would suffer, in which He would die, in which He would raise again on the third day. And when we see it take place, what a fulfillment. And Paul reminds us that this message, this Gospel message is of first importance. There are three things this morning that I want you to understand are important about the Gospel message which Paul wants us to understand. That Paul wants to draw our attention to. And the first thing is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You could say it this way, I received the message of greatest importance and passed it on to you. And it was that Christ died for our sins according to the Word of God. Fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament 700 years prior. Some even 500 years prior and some even 1,000 years prior. Now, Good Friday was on Friday night. We celebrated here. We had a wonderful service. We took time to celebrate one of the greatest messages of Scripture. That Christ died. Now, in most circumstances, we wouldn't have a celebration typically of someone that was crucified on the cross. But Christ died for the sins of man, that we might have life. We looked at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross and we discussed just what took place there on Calvary that day. If you remember in the 23rd chapter of Luke... Verses 33-46, to 46, we have the narrative, we have the story of the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. There on Friday on Calvary's hill, our Savior hung on a cross. The disciples were fearful and in unbelief. The mother of Jesus there at the foot of the cross, seeing her child hang staked to a cross, and he was pierced through with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And the torment is so bad that he could barely breathe. But every breath he took was in torment. It was painful. Sin seems at Friday to be having its toll. Evil seems to have its victory as Christ is mocked and as He hangs. But that was Friday. Friday. Scripture says 500 years before that He would be pierced through for our transgressions. That He would be crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brings about peace would be on Him, the Savior of the world. And by His wounds, by the wounds of Jesus Christ, we are healed. We are healed of our wrongdoings. We are healed of our sin. We are healed of our error. And the sin that makes a separation between us and God, we are healed by. We are chastised. He was chastised for our well-being. Oh, He was mocked, but the words that proceeded out of the mouth of Christ on the cross tells us His heart. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The death of Christ was our perfect, sinless sacrifice. Only a sinless man could take our place on Calvary. He could take our place for sin. And just like the Old, Old Testament teaches, we understand that there is no forgiveness of sins apart from the shedding of blood. And so Jesus became our sin. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took our place there on Calvary so that we might have life everlasting. This is the death that Paul is speaking of when he says the death. This is the message that he received and had given. But He continues to tell us of what is important as well. And the second thing we see is that He was buried. Mark 15, verse 42 to 47 gives us a story, a narrative of this burial and how Joseph of Arimathea, a man that was waiting for the kingdom of God, as well went forth to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. But it wasn't until the body of Jesus had died that Pilate was given the permission that he could go get the body. That it would be okay for Joseph to take the body of Jesus. And so then he took Jesus. Our king wrapped in him in linen clothes and laid him in a tomb carved out in the rock and then the stone was rolled against the tomb. And if you remember, there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 62 to 66, we read this. On the next day after the preparation, the chief priest, the Pharisees, gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when... He was still alive, that deceiver said. He's talking about Jesus. They call Him a deceiver. After three days, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders to the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, His disciples may come and steal Him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead and the last deception will be made worse than the first. And so, the importance of the burial is that he was truly in there. Pilate, in the middle of trying to protect himself, gives us Christians incredible assurance that the king was truly in there, in that tomb. He was buried that day and was sealed so that no disciple could steal him. No robber could break in and take the body. You know, many people say there was robbers who came and stole the body. Well, you know what? There was like a hundred pounds of spices that were poured there with the body of Christ. Listen, if a robber would have stole it, he would have stole that as well. But we see in other accounts the linens, the linens laid perfect, as if the body had raised perfectly up. This morning, we see that the body was in the tomb. There was a guard there to protect it. And I submit to you this morning that that is important, that he was buried. But the third element of the Gospel, if it fails to take place, you and I, as followers and believers of Jesus Christ, are to be most pitied. says it's of first importance, the death, the burial, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now Paul in, in the Corinthian church is addressing an issue that is not in our text this morning, but it is vital. It's vital for our understanding that Christ was raised from the dead. Listen to what Paul says just a little further down in chapter 15 as we read, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that He's raised from the dead whom He did not raise, if it is true, then that the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. Do, do we see the problem here? There were some there in the Corinthian church that failed to believe in the bodily resurrection from the dead. They believed kind of, sort of, the way the Sadducees believed that there was no bodily resurrection. The Pharisees believed in the bodily resurrection, but the Sadducees did not believe in the res- resurrection from the dead, and that's why they were sad, you see. Mm. Because if there is no resurrection from the dead, we are to be pitied. Our faith is futile. But he explains just how important this resurrection is to our faith, and to our lives, and to our eternity, and to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Look, the power of the resurrection is unspeakable. Without it, you and I have nothing. We have no hope. We have no eternity, and so it's not a surprise and why there's so many attacks today and that people claim that Jesus never raised from the dead. It's the very foundations in which our faith stands on. Many were called back to life in the times of Jesus, but all of those individuals who raised from the dead went back to the normal, mundane things of life. They went back to struggle with their flesh. They went back to struggle with their sin. They went back and struggled with the things of life and also as well, they struggled with death again. They all experienced death in the physical body, but not our King. Death could not hold him in the grave. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it showed His power. It showed who He really was. His resurrection was proof of his deity. There in Romans chapter one verse four, it tells us that he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ, our Lord. We find this account, Matthew chapter 28, verses one to seven. There is a guard there, if you remember, we just talked about it. The stone is rolled away. They are in utter shock of what's before their eyes as they see an angel there compared to lightning. Now, you know, as I thought about this, I thought about if I was placed in front of this tomb as a soldier by Pilate to protect, to make sure the bodies did not get gone, the body did not get gone by some disciple or some robber. What do you think would have happened to that soldier? Being that he's standing there, an earthquake happens, the stones are rolled away, and I could almost put myself in his shoes and going, this dude is for real. Jesus is real. There's no robbers here. I see an angel like a lightning As bright as lightning. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever been close to lightning, but but we had a golf team out on the golf course the other day when that nice little breeze came through. And we were out on the middle of the golf course. And here the lightning starts popping and it's a scary time. These guards, it says in Matthew 28, were like dead men. And they shook with fear. Because of this angel that came. Now, I don't think they, the earthquake moved the tomb away so that Jesus could get out. No, we see that He raises from the dead. And we see that He doesn't need to escape through the opening in that tomb. He walks through the doors in the upper room. He walks right through the wall and He appears before them. But the tomb was rolled open so that we could see in. So that we could see the Christ had risen. But these angels that come, they come to comfort these women with words and they say, do not be afraid. Then He explains to them that Jesus is risen. John two nineteen. I can almost hear Jesus now as He says, destroy this temple. In three days I will rise it up. He knew what He would do. He knew what would happen and He did it. Matthew 16.21, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Mark 10.34 says, Who will mock Him and spit on Him, flog Him and kill Him? Three days later He will rise. Our King rose from the dead. And He conquered death that we might have life. Oh, these things are of most importance, Paul says, in our lives. Some will tell you, oh, you need something to get to heaven. You might need to be baptized. You might need to do some work, but here... We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says, I did not come to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And here in chapter 15, we see the gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been justified and the penalty of our sin has been paid for in full. And our King of kings and Lord of Lords, lest He lives. Christ will not go back to the normal mundane things of life. He will not experience death again, for He conquered it. He's not like any normal man, for He is God in the flesh. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, what's amazing is that when we become believers and followers of Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, He who believes in the Son has life. now it's not some future event that's to take place it's not some event that we have to worry about waiting on Jesus says he who believes has life we have life now in the present tense when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and so his death his victory over death is our victory over death we may die in this flesh so be it so but our spirit will live on whether it would live on up or live on down is up to you Christ has paid the price for you Now you lack one thing, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Understanding the gospel is vital this morning. Knowing that Christ had to die, Christ had to be buried, Christ had to raise from the grave, and He did. And you can bet on that. And even To drive home the fact more, Paul goes into a little bit of testimonials as he journeys us through some of the people that experienced the appearing of Jesus after He was brought back to life from the tomb. And He appeared to Cephas, it says, then to twelve, after He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of all who remain until now, some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, To one untimely born, He appeared also to me. Why does this matter? Why does it matter? Listen, I've been driving my Dodge, my my little truck out there, for about a year and a half, maybe not a year and a half, almost a year and a half. And I've been driving that with cracked windows, split from top to bottom, And someone the other day, graciously, bought me a new window for my truck. I have no idea who it is. If you're here this morning, thank you. I appreciate it. I took that truck to Randy's and dropped it off. And they fixed it up. And he put a new window in there. And I went to pick it up that day. And I got in it it was like there was not even a window present. I could see so clearly through that window. It wasn't like before that I thought, well, it wasn't that bad, you know. It wasn't that awful. It's just a few cracks going across my view and across this view. But it's okay. I can still see good. But it wasn't until I got the new window that I noticed how good I could really see now. You know, I wear glasses and I had an old pair of glasses as well. And last night, I said, well, I like my old glasses. They're nice. They're a little scratched up. And so I took them and I cleaned them up and I put them on and I went, that's nice. That's good. And I thought, well, I'll put them in a bag. If I break my glasses, I can have these. Well, I took them back off and I put my new ones back on and it was like, I know why I got new glasses now. (laughs) Because I can see clearly. Listen, If Christ would have not appeared to anyone, there would have been some type of distortion in the story of the resurrection of Christ. But God doesn't work that way. When God works, God makes things crystal clear where we don't have to have a shadow of a doubt. And we can see because of these testimonies how crystal clear it is that the resurrection took place. He appeared to over 500 people. Listen, I don't care what you did, folks. If you go to court and there's 500 eyewitnesses that come and stand up to you and they say, we saw them do it, you're going to jail, Jack. Guarantee you. But it was not only 500. It was also Cephas to the 12 disciples, to James, to the apostles, and even to Paul himself. All of these people saw Jesus in their own with their own eyes. This is the greatest event that we've ever known of in history. And I can promise you this morning if it's the greatest event in history, it affects your life, whether you like it or not. Because of the news of the resurrection brings about great, wonderful messages. Promises, forgiveness, hope, joy, peace, comfort. All of those things that we all want so bad. But in the same fashion, it brings about the most condemning message to all of humanity. We got good news and we got bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Amen, hallelujah. But the bad news is Jesus is risen. To those that are in Christ, there's life. There's forgiveness, there's peace, there's joy, there's comfort, there's freedom. All of those things come from knowing Jesus Christ personally, but for those that don't know, that don't believe in Jesus Christ, that fail to hold the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is separation, there is condemnation. And there is an eternity of suffering for those that don't believe the gospel. And that's why we preach the gospel. Because it's the gospel that's the power to save. listen, I can come up here and try to convince you from the bottom of my heart, God says it doesn't work. This Word has to convince you. And what's amazing is when we look into this Word, how perfect, how laid out it is, how clear it is of the things, the events of history. God wants us to understand that we need to believe the gospel this morning. How can this resurrection affect us today? We have a great assurance through the lives of these people. Their personal testimonies, who made eyewitness accounts. There has never been another killed and brought back to eternal life. You see, Jesus appeared, He conquered death, and He gives hope to all of humanity. To all those that would believe. Listen, I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care how bad of sinner you are. You don't compare to me, and you don't compare to Paul. Paul was one of the worst sinners. He persecuted Christians and had them killed. He said, I used to do everything I could to oppose the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. There's nothing you can do that would not give you the opportunity to believe and have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He conquered death to give us hope. We don't have a blind faith. We have one, listen this morning, that the Word of God screams truth. And if you don't believe it, you need to study it. You need to open up the Word of God and begin to read it for yourself so that you can have the assurance to know that you know that you know within your heart that if you were to die today or Christ were to come back, that you would go to heaven because the tools are there to show us. And it's crystal clear. Paul saw. Christ on the road to Damascus he said I saw a light shone brighter than the heavens down on me and my companions and we all fell down he said I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic Saul, Saul why are you persecuting me? Saul not knowing where it came from said who are you sir? he asked and he said I am Jesus the one you are persecuting and Jesus told him, "Stand up, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness." He said, "You are to tell the world about this experience. About other times, I will appear to you, and I will protect you from both your own people and the Gentiles." He said, "Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles are. If you're not a Jew, welcome to the family. We're all Gentiles." He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles, to us, to open our eyes so that we might turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and that we might receive forgiveness for our sins who are set apart by faith in Jesus Christ. The question is, how will you respond to the call of God in your life this morning? Paul responded well. Praise God He responded well because He brought a message to us that are not in the Jewish descent. We're Gentiles. but We have been given the opportunity to hear the message of hope in Jesus. How will you take the death? How will you take the burial? How will you take the resurrection this morning? The gospel message today. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. I want to ask you this morning, will you believe today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There is no guarantee that we, any of us will be here in the next hour, the next 30 minutes, the next week. The next ten years, it doesn't really matter. You're going there. He's coming here. It makes no difference. The question is, are you ready to see the King of kings and Lord of lords? Let us pray.